Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 154 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the mindful, mesmerizing creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back at Blog Talk Radio. And this today, my friends, is our very last show on this month's theme, The Mind of a Witch. So I thought it would be fun to just to just kind of shoot the shit about a few things. <laughs> Mesmerism, mentalism, and self-hypnosis, to be specific. Please keep in mind, too, that I'm just going to touch on each subject briefly because I only have 30 minutes here and I am prone to rambling, (laughs) but I will mention three books during this episode. So if you want to go, these actually don't get in depth on these subjects, but these are the books that really, well, one does, but these are the books that really uh, got me interested in this stuff on a deeper level. They are The Inner Temple of Witchcraft, The Secret Source, and Instant self-hypnosis. I just thought I'd say that at the top of the show, so <laughs> you, you can have a chance to write them down. I've mentioned them all before. Um, I tend to repeat myself a lot, but that's because I'm drawing from my own practice, and we all have those handful of handful of books and teachings and our favorite teachers, you know, that stick with us over the years, and those three books do. Uh, I want to start with mesmerism. I thought I was just going to squeeze this in if I had enough time, but it's so fun to talk about that I'm like, screw it, I'm going to talk about it first thing. (laughs) Um, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines mesmerize uh, uh, this way. Mesmerize, to hold the attention of someone to the exclusion of all else or so as to transfix them, hypnotize, enthrall. And I get such a kick out of the fact that mesmerize, that this is a word that is still in common use today. We say it all the time, Um, along with the term animal magnetism, because both derive from a very interesting character in the history of the so-called New Age, law of attraction, modern magic, metaphysical, (laughs) this and that, community. In Maja Dow's book, The Secret Source, that I just mentioned a couple episodes ago, and I'm mentioning it again, that is what first got me pulling on this thread, because that book, it was kind of a response to The Secret. When The Secret came out, you get the sense that Maja Dow did not like The Secret, (laughs) because she felt information was being left out, and that perhaps it was even dangerous, that people were playing around with this stuff without understanding where it came from, and how it really works. That's her take on it, not mine. But I love this book because it traces 
the history of the law of attraction, really, and magic, uh, all the way back through history, and I think it starts with mesmerism, if I'm not mistaken. Mesmerism is one of the first things she talks about in the book. And mesmerism is something, it's a word that we got from Franz Anton Mesmer, from his name, Mesmer. That was his last name. Franz Mesmer, Franz Anton Mesmer. (laughs) Such a mouthful. Um, This guy rose to fame in the mid-1700s with a special theory of his and a fascinating toolbox of techniques to go along with it, which were really the birth of modern-day hypnotism. He was very much into astronomy and believed that the planets had an effect on our bodies, as could other human beings. Uh, He actually made himself (laughs) very important to the equation that he himself could have an effect on other human beings, his patients. And he theorized that there was a fluid, a magnetic fluid in the body that responded to Force, these forces, and he called that, these forces being planets, other people, things like that, and he called that fluid animal magnetism, <laughs> which has come to kind of mean something a little bit different, but not that much. When you read about um, Mr. Mesmer, it, it actually still has retained a lot of its original meaning in a way, but we you know, we usually say animal magnetism to mean, you know, like, I had to have sex with that person. I could not help myself. It was animal magnetism. That takes on a whole new level of meaning for me when I think about what this animal magnetism, what the word really originally meant. So that's what he named this so-called, the supposed magnetic fluid that we had in our in our bodies that if, was affected by other people. Um, and then he actually used magnets Uh, Among other things, hand gestures, touch, uh, verbal suggestions to move this fluid and supposedly cure his patients of all variety of ailments. And he was really quite successful with these cures and he became quite the sensation um, in the 18th century, so much so that he actually, he drew the attention of the king and scientists and he had more patients than he knew what to do with. So in short, he became very, very famous, and mesmerism became a thing. What he wanted to do, actually, was he wanted to move some of his more occult ideas. He didn't think they were, like, he thought they should be seen as science. He wanted to move some of these ideas into the realm of science. And so science set out to prove the existence of this magnetic fluid, this animal magnetism, and unfortunately for Mesmer, wound up debunking it. There is no magnetic fluid (laughs) and ruining his career, really, which he kind of had a hand in himself because he kind of became like a a circus act. (laughs) He started becoming like an entertainer. He went from like doctor, physicist, physician to entertainer, entertaining people with this ability that he had. And it was a real ability. There just wasn't this magnetic fluid. And interestingly, just a little footnote here, he actually stole, he was inspired by and then discredited um, this guy. He stole a lot of his ideas from a man named Hell. 
And I'm not even kidding about that. A guy named Hell. Alas, Hell gets no credit. H-E-L-L. Hell. (laughs) Maximilian Hell was a Jesuit astronomer who believed that the planets had a magnetic effect on us and was, as far as I can tell, the the originator of this idea of a magnetic fluid, which... uh, Mr. Mesmer took on as his own fabulous idea. It's what made him famous, so I guess that's why he discredited Mr. Hell, because he wanted all the credit himself. And maybe that was karma then, that uh, poor Mr. Mesmer, it bit him in the butt, (laughs) and his career did not end so well. Um, And it's also been implied that this may have happened because he did not give credit to God as his source of wisdom, as per the hermetic tradition that fueled his initial inspirations and the people that influenced him. And what's interesting, though, is that mesmerism, it didn't end there, like with his death, with his ruin and then his death. It became a thing. And it was a thriving hypnotic practice with many popular mesmerists. Um, Their techniques varied from practitioner to practitioner, and it really evolved over time, but mesmerism was a thing well into the Victorian era and right into the 1900s, and what I did not know, which I wish I had watched before I did this episode, because I'm totally fascinated by this, and um, I just found it when I googled Franz Anton Mesmer, Alan Rickman starred in a movie called Mesmer about about this, so I'm going to have to watch that. I think it really emphasizes uh, his effect on the ladies, but I'm definitely watching that. I love Alan Rickman, and since he recently passed away, that would be a fun little homage to Mr. Rickman and Mr. Mesmer. (laughs) I do actually think that, I think that what Anton or Franz Mesmer, what he was doing, I do believe that it was working on people largely through hypnosis and the power of suggestion, especially when you understand that he was using these hand gestures and then like touching people very specifically in very specific ways. Uh, He was hypnotizing them. And he himself even admitted at one point that the magnets weren't doing anything. The effect of the magnets was on the person's mind, the mind of a witch. Um, so I definitely think he was onto something with the hypnosis, obviously, because that's still being used to great effect today. Hypnosis works. But also with the idea of a magnetic fluid, although obviously he was off in that. There's not a ab- magnetic fluid unless maybe you want to think about the blood. I like to think about the water in our bodies. I do think there might be something. I mean, we're largely made up of water. Uh so that, mm, I don't know, maybe he was kind of on to something. I definitely think he could see the effects of what he was doing and that perhaps he was tapping in, er, like an early person tapping into this idea of the electromagnetic field. I just said electromagnetic field in my last video, and I totally botched it the first time I said it. I said electric field. I do know when I make these mistakes because I edit my own videos, but sometimes I'm like, screw it screw it. I'm not redoing it. (laughs) People are just going to have to know that I say weird things sometimes and um, I'm too lazy to go back and reshoot the whole thing. (laughs) So I'm aware that I said electronic field when I meant electromagnetic field. And then when I tried to say it again, I totally tripped over my tongue. So let's say it clearly now. Electromagnetic field, EFTs. I think maybe he was tapping into that perhaps and how 
electromagnetic fields affect each other's. Keep in mind, too, that this is just my conclusion, and I could totally be wrong. This is just where my mind wants to go. Um, but an electromagnetic field, physical field produced by electrically charged objects, according to Wikipedia, it affects the behavior of charged objects in the vicinity of the field. The electromagnetic field extends indefinitely throughout space, meaning everything is affected by it. An EMF, I bet you might even have like an EMF shield or something in your home right now because EMF is such a thing these days. Among hippies, survivalists, conspiracy theorists, the metaphysical community, and witches alike, science has yet to get on board with much of the word on the street about how EMFs can disrupt and cause disease and malfunctions in the human body. But many people claim that it does, and many people have made their fortunes selling devices that are supposed to prevent that. But just keeping with the mind of a witch today, just talking about that, um, I personally feel that we as individuals affect each other's electromagnetic fields when we come in contact with each other. Um, even if we're not touching, you know, just being near to each other and, and that we pick up on each other's thoughts, literally. And I think that really great psychics um, and mediums, sometimes mediums that believe that they're speaking to the dead, I often think that they're just tapping into the person's own memories. They're tapping into the other person's mind, which might be revealing itself in this electromagnetic field. Again, that's just my idea. <laughs> I have no proof of this. That's just kind of how I think of it. And I imagine that if we as individuals can affect each other that way, I mean, everybody has that experience of just sitting next to someone and feeling disturbed or maybe sexually charged or something, even though, like, there's real no exchange besides just sharing space with another person. Um, I imagine that the planets could have a similar effect on us, too, as so many people believe. People swear, at the very least, that the moon has an effect on not only the tides of the ocean, but the tides within each and every one of us, our moods in particular. Um, and that's where I was going back to the whole water thing. Like maybe the tides, maybe the moon pulls on the tides of the ocean and it pulls on us because we're so largely made up of water and that can affect the way we feel and our moods and our thoughts that we have, which would account for the term lunatic and the crazy behavior that so many people People that work in emergency rooms, for example, link to the moon. Um, I've actually mentioned this before, but it's so on subject, and I'm a mom, and moms tend to repeat their stories. So I'm going to repeat <laughs> a story about my son, um, because my son, he is a trip. He's a trip, and he's kind of a mystery to me still in a lot of ways, um, because he's just he does interesting things that seem to demonstrate theories like this. He has his entire life, before he could talk, followed the phases of the moon, been obsessed with the moon, wanted to get up when it was still dark so he could watch the moon come up. He knew the days way before he could talk. When he was just a little, little guy, he knew when the moon was going to come up and he'd try to get out of bed and get to a window or go outside to watch it and he would point at it. Um, his first three words were moo, ba, and ma. Moon, ball, and mom. <laughs> That's kind of all he cared about for a long, long time. 
And it's really through him that I learned the phases of the moon. Nothing witchy. It was my kid who's, like, super into the moon. Um, And he's even claimed that the planets have sounds, which is really trippy. I haven't been able to get him to elaborate on that. Um, But he thinks the planets have sounds. And I know science has recorded the sounds that the different planets make. So sound might have something to do with it as well, which I think is so trippy. Um, but my, my point was when he was little, when he was, um, for those of you who don't know, my son has autism. So he is really different in a lot of different ways and in a lot of unusual, trippy, cool ways. Uh, when he was little in elementary school, the teacher came up to me once to tell, ask me, have you ever noticed that Tanner acts weird on the full moon? Because we have. Every time there's a full moon, he does something weird. Um, one time he, they couldn't find him. They were looking everywhere for him during an assembly, and somehow he had managed to shimmy up a flagpole, and he was at the top of this flagpole laughing hysterically at the people that were looking for him down below. And then another time he tried to flush his underwear down the toilet and whole bunch of funny stories about that (laughs) but some people seem to be very affected by the full moon and I I wonder about that and how that might tie in to mesmerism the other thing I wanted to talk about today and I'm just going to jump to it really quick because I I see the clock a kicking is um mentalism a lot of us know mentalism from the Kybalion. The Kybalion, Kybalion, however you want to say it, is it's a little book that was written in 1912 by William Walker Atkinson and probably also Paul Foster Case and Elias G. I'm saying G because I can never pronounce his name and I don't feel like embarrassing myself today. <laughs> William Walker Atkinson is definitely credited um Paul Foster case probably too. We're not sure about those the second two, but William Walker Atkins for sure because they published under the pseudonym The Three Initiates. And it was meant to present the teachings of the Hermetic school in the Hermetic school of thought, which is supposedly an ancient, you know, spans many, many, many hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands maybe people would say, um, to teach that in a concise, practical way and through the lens of Atkinson's own personal brand of new thought philosophy, which is very new agey with a heavy law of attraction, magical feel. Um, And I think actually Christopher Pinzak, um, with his book, The Inner Temple of Witchcraft, he did a great job summarizing the hermetic principles. Uh, Maja Doust also includes this in The Secret Source, but... Christopher Pinzak just has a way of making things. Other people try, and I'm not saying Maja Doust does this, but just in general in the magical community, some writers will be, you know, they try to use a lot of like, oh, I'm going to bite myself in the butt with this. Let's just say it's not always easy to read. They use some archaic language often, um, and it can just be clunky and, and not that exciting or fun to read. Christopher Pinzak has a way of making it easy to understand and fun to read. So I'm just going to read his words because he, he says it best, in my opinion. The Kybalion was written anonymously by three initiates and published in 1912, but the work within is ascribed to Hermes Trismegistus, Trismegistus, 
Trismegistus, however you would like to say that, (laughs) or Hermes Thrice Great. Who Hermes is or was is not generally agreed on. Most recognize him as a great master and teacher of spiritual wisdom dating back to ancient Greece or Egypt. Some believe he was a god who came down to humanity to teach the arcane arts of alchemy, magic, and philosophy. His name, Hermes Trismegistus, refers to the Greek god Hermes, known as Mercury to the Romans. Hermes was the messenger of the gods, traveling freely between worlds, in many ways like the shaman traveling to the upper and lower realms. He is well known for his quick and inventive mind and credited with giving humankind writing, musical instruments, and commerce. The Egyptian god Thoth is associated with Hermes. Thoth is known as the scribe of the gods and is one of the oldest and most powerful Egyptian deities. Blah, 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 blah. Very cool, but supposedly that is, that's where we get these teachings, um, the seven hermetic principles. One of those is the principle of mentalism. The principle of mentalism says that the all is mind, the universe is mental. If you think of the mind as being more than just a brain and more encompassing than that, to encompass the all, the entire universe, this makes a lot more sense. Um, But The principle of mentalism is kind of like a master key to the universal mind, which unlocks the true nature of energy, power, and matter. It also says that we are thoughts in the divine mind, which is maybe another way of saying that we are each unique expressions of God or that mysterious creative force so many of us refer to as the universe. (laughs) So... As above, so below, as the creator creates, so to you create, as you create, so the universe creates. We all create in the same way, as a microcosm of the macrocosm, meaning we have great power to create our own reality. Some might say to co-create our reality. You can choose what you prefer, what you believe, but the principle of mentalism says that This power comes from investing a thought with enough energy that eventually becomes a reality. The way that I personally choose to do this is by investing a thought and intention with passion and action, emotion and motion, water and fire, the boiling water of desire. And I did not mean to rhyme just now, but I did, and I feel so awesome. Um. And I repeat that all the time, my little idea of the witch's pyramid, uh, but that's kind of what I just outlined about, infusing an intention with passion slash emotion and action to get to your manifestation. Jumping now to self-hypnosis, which I think really comes into play with this when you realize everything I've been talking about the last month about how the conscious mind is really doesn't have a lot of control for changing your life. You really have to get into the subconscious mind. Of course, it starts with your conscious mind making the decision to do that, (laughs) Um, which is interesting to me and fascinating. It all starts with conscious thought, really, even before you get into the subconscious mind, which begs 
the question, who's really, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg thing. Like, is the subconscious mind telling the, the conscious mind that it wants to be changed? I, I do not do drugs. But I, I do sometimes, I know, talk like a total stoner because <laughs> I have those, like, let's sit around and contemplate these things um, kind of thoughts sometimes. So forgive me if, <laughs> if things get confusing. I just like to think about that sometimes. Who's really pulling the strings here? But I bought a little book, back to what I was trying to say, called Instant Self-Hypnosis by Forbes Robbins Blair, who I know nothing about. I only just have this one book by some guy named Forbes Robin Blair. I bought it about a dozen years ago. I don't know how popular this book is. I just randomly picked it up one day, and I imagine what prompted me to do that, um, I'm looking at it right now, was the subtitle, How to Hypnotize Yourself with Your Eyes Open. Doesn't that just sound cool? <laughs> Uh, and then there's there's a little red triangle up in the corner of the book that says hypnotize yourself as you read. And guess what? It works. It works. It really does. Um, I played around with this book a lot when I first got it, and I was kind of amazed by it. I just thought it was so cool and that it worked so well. So I don't know if this is the best book on the subject. It's just the one I have. I recommend it from time to time because it's a really simple, easy-to-understand presentation without a lot of dogma or spiritual theory attached, which I personally appreciate. I know that means a lot to people who don't want any kind of religious tone when they're thinking about these things. Um, or just it just serves people of a wide variety of spiritual practices because you can plug it into whatever your practice is, whatever your practice is. And I definitely think that whether you ch choose to check this book out or not, self-hypnosis is a fantastic tool to have in your magical arsenal as a co-creator because it involves getting yourself into a trance or alpha state and then commanding the subconscious mind to do and think as your conscious mind wishes it to do. And that's what this book shows you how to do. It's actually a tiny little book when you cut out like 75% of it, which are these scripts that you read. Like it explains, I mean, maybe even one-eighth of the book is spent explaining how the technique works and then there's just different scripts for different things that you might want to change. How to quit smoking, how to lose weight, how to have great sex, how to make money. <laughs> anyway, every era has its terms for what this is. We call it hypnosis today, self-hypnosis. Way, way back in the day, it was mesmerism. Um, today, too, we like to use words like shamanism, trance, journey work. In truth, though, I think that, you know, shamanism has become very trendy in the spiritual community, um, trance, going on trance journeys and things like that. I do think that these are forms of self-hypnosis and that that is an important part of magic. And beyond that, even if you don't give a crap about magic, it's great for anyone who wants to reprogram the subconscious mind in just a clinical, clean kind of way, which I think I've already talked to death this month. <laughs> but I did publish um, that guided meditation I was telling you about. It's 
a meditation slash ritual slash chant thing <laughs> that I made for you. It's five bucks. They sell it on Gumroad, but it's called the Rich Witch Prosperity Ritual. And I've been getting some really awesome feedback on that so far, which is exciting and fun. Uh, but it uses binaural beats chanting, hand motions, visualization, so many things that I've been talking about this month. And it's intended, a la Mr. Mesmer, to have a magnetic effect, to magnetize money to you, which I think is just so, I think somewhere Anton, France Anton Mesmer is smiling down on me right now. Uh, but I made that for you. If you want to check it out, I put it in the description page um, for this episode back at Blog Talk Radio. It's in my last blog post. It's on Gum. It's on Gum Road. If you just go to Gum Road and look up the Rich Witch Prosperity Ritual, it's there. If you want to play around with that, but that's about money. So that was me kind of bridging this month's theme and last month's theme. Next month's theme, April, is the body of a witch which I'm I'm happy to get into. I feel like I really exhausted this whole idea of the mind of the witch in March. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging with me through all of these through all of these themes. I have so much fun talking about this. I see some of you left me some iTunes reviews again. Thank you so much guys for doing that, for taking the time to do that. I literally every time I come across one of those, I'm like, "Woohoo!" I do a little happy dance cuz it's so helpful to helping other people find the show is the main reason why I ask you guys to do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's just fun for me <laughs> to just read nice things about me showing up here every Tuesday, um, just to know you're listening and that you enjoy it. I really appreciate that. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.